When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you and empower you to make better financial decisions in your life. I want to thank you to all of you who have reviewed us and subscribed to our show on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, wherever else you listen and or watch. Today, I've got a personal story to share with you about a woman I encountered last weekend on the streets of New York. Later, I'm also going to talk about something that is one of the most difficult things to do, and that's hire a contractor to do a renovation or addition to your home. So we were up in New York for several days, and I had to go to an ATM. Because New York seems to be one of the last places on earth where a lot of places still want cash. So I needed cash. I go to an ATM. I use Charles Schwab for my ATM card. If you're not familiar, Charles Schwab absorbs your ATM charges wherever you use an ATM anywhere in the world. But at the same time, I don't want to abuse it, so I try to find an ATM that's fee-free. And Capital One Bank, which is all over New York City, doesn't charge ATM fees to people that are non-customers. So I'm at the door at Capital One. The way it works in walking cities is you have to use your ATM card to unlock a door that you go inside to the ATMs. So I'm number three in line to go in. And number one is this older woman who was discombobulated and could not get the door open. She was speaking to no one in particular. I don't know why this isn't working. And so I offered to come up and open the door, and I did, and we're inside, and and I go and I get my money out of the ATM. The other woman gets money out of her account and has come and gone. The, The woman who couldn't open the door originally still can't get now the ATM machine to work. And she turns to me as I'm leaving. She said, can you help me? And I'm like, sure. And she was so disoriented, she couldn't figure out how to put the card in the machine. And so I helped her through the whole process. Imagine if I was a crook. So we get the card in the machine, and then I had to walk her through putting in her code, which if I was a a dishonest person, I have her code. And then she gets the screen and said, well, she said, what do I do now? I said, well, how much money do you want to get? And she said, I don't want money. I want to see what money I have. And so then I helped her find the screen that showed available balances. And she had over $250,000 sitting in a checking account in Capital One. 
My God, I am so glad that you were the one who was in there with her. That is terrifying. And she was obviously at some stage of dementia. Yeah. And she's sitting there with all that money, and she's a sitting duck. And she was she was not making the most sense as I'm talking to her. It was Sunday. There was only so much I could do. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, I really think it'd be a great idea for you to go in and talk with somebody at Capital One tomorrow when the banks open. And there was nothing else I could do. I was hoping that they would do the thing where they would notify the state of New York in this case that she was of diminishing capabilities because at some point she becomes a sitting duck. She's a sitting duck right now. Yeah. Well, you're right. She is a sitting duck, but somebody is going to get her money. Mm-hmm. And we get questions about this. We get friends will hear about parents that are suffering. This is one of those things that happens because who knows if she has kids, where in America they are. Mm-hmm. You know, they may have been raised in the tri-state area, but they may have gone wherever. They may not even be aware about how much mom has slipped. We need to, as adult children, to be involved and be nosy in our parents' lives. Because I came face to face with it. And what could I do other than tell the story on the podcast? Because it was so upsetting to me because of not just what we do here, but as a human being seeing this. Because what would happen to her if somebody got in there and stole that more than quarter million dollars? What would she have to live on? Not to mention, why does she have it sitting in a (laughs) non-interest-bearing checking account? But that's that's a different conversation. So please, please be nosy. Even as older relatives push you away and say, stay out of my business, Stay nosy, be involved, because if you're not, the consequences can be really ugly. All right, we'll go to some questions now. Joanne in Georgia says, I have several inoperable phones and tablets, and because I can't access most of them, they have sensitive information on them. Is there anything I can do to recycle them without worry? I have never had a good answer to this, Joanne. When you have an older electronics device, it's no longer taking a charge. It had all that sensitive data on it. I I know it's weird, but you either smash it or you hold on to it because there's too much risk with the information that's on it. And I've never seen a better answer than one of those two things. You certainly can't recycle those items and know they're going to be safe. So I think that you do need to hold on to them or take the sledge to it. I remember I did a TV segment once about taking a big hammer and smashing the um, hard drive a computer apart before it was recycled because you never know what a criminal can grab from that hard drive even if you think you've wiped it clean. So our information is so valuable to crooks now, it's better that you either 
take out some aggression against those items or that you just hold on to them. You probably put them in a thick bag before you do that with a hammer. Right. Like you so could you don't get have hurt stuff. or you could have, what about the batteries? I don't know. I would yeah. be worried about that. And there are big recycling programs. Like I know. And so if you think you can trust them, like, I don't know if like Best How Buy has one, Best you'd have Buy to see has, if they, yeah. if they tell you wipe your information first in the program, then you know that you can't recycle with them. And we may have a suggestion from somebody in the field about a safe way to do this. And if we yes. do, in fact, hear something that seems totally credible, I'll follow up and share that. Well, with I you. bet that of, of the, the Clarkie brain trust out there, the Clarkaholics, whatever people want to call themselves, I bet you we'll get some some suggestions. The Clarksters. Yes, yes. Okay, Jessica in New York says, Hi, Clark, I booked a Royal Caribbean cruise for 2024. It'll be my family's first cruise in 10 years. Now Royal is bombarding me with urgent get it now emails to take advantage of discounts for the Wi-Fi package, the beverage package, shore excursions, etc. The email screams, 30% off, but only now. Buy now. Is this legit? Or would these deals be available when I board in February? So I read what Royal Caribbean said to the last cycle of talking to Wall Street analysts, and they are bragging up a storm how well they're doing right now with the suggestive selling and the uh, urgency thing. Buy now, buy now, buy now that you keep seeing. And I, I say... Play hard to get. The offers will come repeatedly from Royal Caribbean, but the things like the um, internet package, stuff like that, if they offer you a meaningful discount before sailing date, it will probably be legitimately cheaper than it will be buying it on the ship. With a beverage package, particularly alcoholic beverage packages, those usually are a bad deal unless you are someone who normally buys several drinks a day. And so you want to run the math on that before you actually buy a beverage package. I don't buy shore excursions from a cruise line because they're so overpriced compared to what you can buy third party. And spend some time on Cruise Critic and other of the cruise sites of the cruise fanatics, and you'll see from them what they recommend for each of these purchases, but understand this is a revenue-generating tactic of Royal Caribbean to bombard you a whole year before you're going on your cruise. Sunny in New Jersey says, I want to sell my small backyard to my downstairs neighbor. The fenced backyard as of now is divided in the ratio of 70-30. I'm not able to dedicate much time, and it's just becoming hard to maintain, and the neighbors downstairs are willing to buy from us. How should we determine the fair value for my small backyard? I want to skip fair value for a second. What I'm worried about is when you go to sell the property, you're upstairs. When you go to sell it, if it comes with no backyard, it may really affect the marketability of the property. If someone's buying property in New Jersey where uh, we're a big tri-state area, <laughs> yes. podcast so far today New York just a second ago New Jersey now when you have that backyard that's a very very valuable marketing part of the equation for people in so many parts of New Jersey 
if you give up ownership of that, it could hurt you later. Of course, your neighbor would be interested in buying it. If you're not worried about the resale aspect and you just want to get rid of the responsibility, then you want to talk to real estate agents who you see a lot of their signs in your neighborhood, the people that are active in your neighborhood. They'll have a better sense virtually than anybody else what that backyard would be worth. It's easily divisible what your share would be worth if you did sell it to the neighbor. My recommendation, though, would be to hold on to it and the hassle because of the ultimate when the time comes that you do want to sell the property, you don't want to hurt your wallet at that time. Uh, Speaking of homes coming up straight ahead, I want to talk about the difficulties of hiring a contractor to do a renovation, improvement, or addition to your home. Adding on to your home, renovating your home, adding a new bedroom, updating your kitchen, whatever it is, we get so excited as homeowners about these projects. And because of how low mortgage rates are for those of us who got a home or refinanced when rates were really low, we're in house lock. So people who might have picked up and moved to a bigger house or whatever, they're not doing it now because you'd have to give up your mortgage at such a low rate and go into one typically more than twice the interest rate, huge additional payment per month. So that's leaving us with, if we're going to stay in place, renovating the place we're in potentially. But according to the latest data from the Consumer Federation of America, the second largest consumer problem people have, the second biggest area of complaints are people who get ripped off on shoddy and incomplete work to your home and have a lot of times where a contractor will disappear with your money, you'll have to hire somebody else to fix bad work they did, blah, 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 blah. And this is part art, part science to hiring the right person. Because let me tell you, when you hire a home improvement contractor, a renovation contractor, it's so easy to hire them and so hard to get out of a mess if they turn out to be a problem. And that's why so much of hiring the right person is what you do before you hire somebody. Number one, you need to be really, really, really clear what the scope of the work is going to be. The project needs to be clear, fully detailed. So much of the problem is we're emotionally invested. We're excited about the whole idea of the new kitchen, the new bathroom, the additional bedroom, the finished out basement, whatever it is. We just get so excited we forget that this is a detail-oriented thing. So having specificity about the scope of the work, what you want them to do, and what quality of materials you want them to use, and if there are specific brand names, the brand names are in 
the solicitation you have for a contractor so that they know exactly what it is you are trying to accomplish. If a timeline is important, you need to have that timeline. Whatever it is that later could cause real disputes between you and the contractor, the more you think those things out first and you plan them out first, the fewer the number of problems you're going to have and breakdowns in communication that are going to result. And when you're looking for a contractor, talk to your neighbors who've done stuff. Talk to family. Talk to friends. Find out who they use, what they liked, what they didn't like. And here's one. You'll have people say, oh, you know, this permit thing, we go around that. I mean, I can do this, that, or the other for you. Problem is later, when you go to sell your home and you have that wonderful new whatever in your home or in addition to your home, you have to answer on the seller disclosure that you did work without having a permit. And that's a problem. Your quotes need to be very specific. So you talk to people, you get a list of people, you get references from those people. You get clear quotes based on clear specifications that you came up with first. And you may have somebody who say, you know, I really suggest you consider this other supplier or this other material for the floor, this other uh, supplier for the cabinets or whatever. And that kind of thing you can talk through, but you need to have a clear direction on the job up front. You want to talk to the references. Usually, references are so excited about the work that was done for them that they'll invite you over to see it. And that's really valuable. And then you have an opportunity to say, hey, you know, how many months were originally promised to you to complete the job? How long did it actually take? You find out what was said versus what actually resulted. Now, for a long time, contractors have not even been good about following up with bids because they had too much work. The loss of some amount of confidence people have in the economy from the cycle of inflation we've been through means that it's not as hard to find contractors that want to quote you. Take your time at the front end to avoid problems at the back end. And I do have a briefing for you at Clark.com, and it's titled Six Tips for Hiring a Contractor so that you have a guide to go by. Is our guide the best out there? There are many different ways people do this. But I'm comfortable with the idea of getting a scope of work in your mind, a frame of reference, so that you avoid a lot of problems up front from having done the good homework so that you get better work on your home once the work commences. Krista? Okay, we have a special guest to help you answer this question on the phone. What, 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 what are you talking about? Uh, we'll hear the question first. I have three baseballs signed by the entire teams of the 1953 Brooklyn Dodgers, New York Giants, and New York Yankees. 
The Giants and Yankee balls are not in great shape, but the Brooklyn Dodgers ball is in very good shape with a clear signature of Jackie Robinson amongst the other Dodger greats. I would like to get the balls appraised, but not sure how to go about it. I've heard various opinions, but not sure who to trust. That's why I'm turning to you for advice. You're one of the few I trust with this situation. Thank you for all you and your team do, and thanks for any advice on how to proceed. So we have Nick Cole on the line. Who is a writer? Who is an absolute baseball fanatic and expert. And he's also an excellent writer, and he writes for Clark.com. So this is the Nick Cole podcast now. Yeah, Nick, can you hear us? Okay, I sure can. Hey okay. guys. Hey. Hey. So uh, Nick, first, you know there are old timers in sports talk who always refer to the New York Football Giants to differentiate from the New York Baseball Giants which means they are really old-timers because the Giants moved to San Francisco when? I don't even remember, in the 50s? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's been a long time ago, and in that era was, was Willie Mays with the Giants. Um, so these are some very cool, very rare baseballs. Um, so talking about appraising them, I mean, the first thing I think you've got to look at is getting these balls authenticated uh, because the value of the ball is, you know, if, if you're talking about whether you're going to send it to an auction or try to sell it privately, everybody that's going to look at these balls are so old and so rare, they're going to want to know that they're real. And so there are a couple of places you can go first to get it authenticated. Two of the popular services are called PSA, and the other is Beckett Authentication Services. They're kind of considered the go-to in the sports collectible industry for authenticating things like sports cards or autographs or, or rare pieces of memorabilia. What are those two so called again? PSA, I uh, think, and Beckett, B-E-C-K-E-T-T. Yeah, PSA and Beckett. Okay. You may re- Clark, you may remember Beckett for a long time had a, a publication that would like, you could buy it at the newsstand that would value your baseball cards and things like that. That's kind of what they got famous for maybe 20 or 30 years ago. Huh. No idea. Never heard of it. <laughs> well, nonetheless, <laughs> what, they, what you do with them is you submit your, your baseball and, and you pay them a fee. And they verify that the signatures are real. You know, they have experts on staff. And they also issue a grade um, on both the autograph, how clear it is, um, you know, how, what kind of quality it's in. And, and with, with as old of an autograph as this is, you know, we're talking 70 years, um, you know, th- there's a chance they're smudged or things like that. So they grade how good the autograph is and then also the quality and condition of the baseball in, in the case of this being an autograph on baseballs. And what they do is they assign a grade to it. They issue a certificate of authenticity. They'll put like a little hologram that, you know, certifies you, can, you know, somebody that's interested in the ball can it'll have its own serial number where they can go on to TSA or Beckett's website and verify that it is the ball that it says it is and that kind of thing. Um, and I think that's probably the first good step to make, not only for peace of mind and knowing what you have is authentic, and they may already know that based on how they acquired the ball, but it also creates a situation where they can do some apples to apples comparison on what the value of that ball is. So, for example, the Jackie Robinson autograph is probably one of the most valuable or maybe the most valuable on all of those balls. If you have that ball graded and, and you know what that autograph is is valued at based on the way that maybe a similar autograph sold, you know, say PSA graded at a Jackie Robinson signed autograph that's authentic and it's a 9 out of 10 and their grading scale, well, you can – you can go on the internet and figure out what, you know, a, a Jackie Robinson PSA graded nine autograph baseball sold for. And that gives you an idea 
of an appraised value or an actual real life value of what someone's actually paid for that ball. So then you have, you do this, you've got a sense they're real, you've got a quality grade, then where do you sell it? Are there auction houses that you can send a baseball to like you'd send a painting? Yeah, absolutely. There are several auction houses. If you've got a ball this rare, that's probably where you're going to want to take it to get the most value. If you're looking to sell Heritage Auction, Pristine Auction, uh, Sotheby's, those are maybe three names that you might want to look at. And what these auction houses will also do an appraisal for you, which is maybe what this person's looking for in the long run, is to have their experts, their auction experts that have put this type of memorabilia on the market and has seen it sold will look at it and say, hey, this is valued approximately at this many thousand dollars. And then maybe you can you can get a letter from that that organization that says such, um, which is probably going to be useful if they're looking to do something like uh, insure the value of this ball with their homeowner's insurance or whatnot. You want to have a, an approximate idea of what it's worth. But also, Clark, I think it's important to point out when you're talking about sports memorabilia, I've got a friend who's been in that business for a long time, and he always tells me that, you know, memorabilia is worth exactly what someone will pay you for it. So, so, so you know, an auction house could tell you that it's worth $5,000, but if the market says it's worth 2500 or the market says it's worth 7500 that's what it's actually worth. Well, Nick, thank you so much. I mean, talk about something I know nothing about. That's sports memorabilia. And I <laughs> want to thank you so much that you're an expert in this and how's your baseball team doing this year? You're the Cardinals, right? <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, absolutely. No problem, Clark. Yeah, the Cardinals uh, got off to a little bit of a slow start this season, but I'm hopeful that as the summer goes along, uh, they will improve. All right. All right. Well, <laughs> well good luck to your Cardinals. <laughs> Thank Thanks, you, Clark. Nick. Thanks, Nick. Okay, that's funny. We have so much talent on Team oh, Clark my gosh. And you at can, Clark.com. You can tell what a thorough researcher Nick is, How too. did you think about I think of when I hear baseball, I think of Nick or sports. He's really very well, impressive. He also writes all of our credit card reviews and content and lots of things on Clark.com. He's a really great guy. Because that would have been useless answering that. <laughs> you knew that. That's why you. you Call in the experts. All right. I'm going to try to squeeze in some more quick questions. Okay, sure. Speaking of appraisals, David in Ohio says, I've been married for 20 years and I have not had my wife's wedding ring appraised for insurance since before we married. All of your recent discussion of lab-grown diamonds has made me wonder how the value has changed and whether it's appropriately insured under my homeowner's policy. How often do you suggest getting jewelry appraised for insurance, and what type of business should I contact or avoid to give an accurate, objective appraisal? So generally, we're talking about the diamond itself. You would go to a graduate gemologist. That is a level of expert who would map the stone and be able to issue an appraisal to you. Now, you need to find out from your homeowner's insurer what their procedure is for creating an acceptable appraisal and value. But normally, a homeowner's insurer would tell you that a graduate gemologist would be the standard they would accept. The other thing is that if the ring is worth a lot of money. The di- It's the diamond, actually. If the diamond's worth a lot of money, it has to be scheduled on your homeowner's insurance. It is a supplemental policy because the homeowner's insurance policy itself provides minimal coverage for jewelry, and you have to have a separate policy, almost like a rider attached to your policy, for that diamond. 
All right. And then Joe in Washington wrote in with this. Hi, Clark, with your Consumer Action Center, you have a unique perspective to add a proposed new segment to your podcast of data trends of what types of calls listeners are calling in for help. Broad reports from callers, any usual or out of the ordinary calls, etc. I'm sure your team can come up with different aspects of angles of data that your team consumes. By adding a new segment to your podcast, I think this segment would give unique perspectives to listeners to know what's going on. Only Clark could gather a collective analysis and provide that on the podcast. A religious listener, Joe from Bellevue, Washington. Joe, thank you very much. And my oldest brother is... I think they're in Bellevue right now for two months and beautiful town. So we actually, I'm, I'm thinking how crazy this is. We have a monthly report from the team Clark consumer action center about everything people are contacting us about. And we categorize by issue they're having. And it makes perfect sense to do what Joe is suggesting and once a month, give what that report finds, what we're finding the patterns and trends are that you need to watch out for. And that makes Joe a member of Team, Team Clark. Clark. Also, I want to say we have our show meetings, planning the podcast, and Lori Silverman, who's the director of the Consumer Action Center, is in all those meetings, and she does let us know if there's something. And we often will do a segment, like Clark will talk about something based on the fact that she's seeing those trends. And so we do incorporate it in that way. But I like the idea of giving what are too, the yeah. top things that people are giving us heads up on an early alert. Mm -hmm. And in my TV work, we generate a huge number of the stories I do and the segments I do on TV from information that comes into the Team Clark Consumer Action Center. So it's a perfect feedback loop to give advice to others both individually as you get the free one-on-one -on -one advice and then in addition to be able to warn others away from a problem that's appearing on our radar why because you let us know and so if you have a problem a question a concern you need advice and guidance for almost 31 years we provided free one-on-one -on -one advice and it's available to you 30 hours each week, Eastern time zones, 10 in the morning till 4 in the afternoon, Monday to Friday, 636-49-CLARK is the number. And I hope you have an absolutely great day. And remember, our goal, our mission, why we're here is to help you save more and spend less and avoid getting ripped off. Have a great day.